Let's pray. My Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace that has brought us this far. We've come to dine with the word. And as Mary, we sit under your feet, blessed by your word. Thank you that out of your word, testimonies are springing forth. Our hearts are ready to receive, Lord. In the name of Jesus, your name be praised tonight. Amen. 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 So good to see each and every one of you. I don't want to mention names, but it's been a while I saw some of you. So you've been here today. Wow, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Throughout growing up, you know, it's often been said for those of you who did RME, religious moral education in, 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 in primary. I'm talking about those in Ghana. Those in the UK, I'm not sure the specific how they might call it, but they, they sometimes they call it religious, Christian religious studies, religious studies, or they have a name probably for it. And we've all been taught that there are three religions, Christianity, Muslim, uh -huh. And the last one, African practice, right? For so, for those of you in Ghana, right? Is that is that what we were being taught in schools, right? Yes, sir. But you see, in the mind of God, Christianity has never been a religion. Now, to understand what I'm trying to tell you, let me first explain what religion is to you. Religion is man's pursuit for God. Man's pursuit for God. So they will have a set of rules, a set of laws, a set of do's, a set of don'ts. Man's pursuit for God. Wherefore, God, having sacrificed himself on that cross, never determined religion or never determined Christianity to be a religion. What then is Christianity and what then at all can we describe Christianity as? Kadiba Suvresha. Thank you, Holy Ghost. To understand this, I want you to understand that Christianity is God's pursuit for man. Religion is man's pursuit for God. I hope you heard me. That religion is man's pursuit for God, but Christianity is God's pursuit for man. God wanting to 
reconciled man back to himself, came and died on that cross 2,000 plus years ago. And today you and I are beneficiaries. So therefore, Christianity has nothing to do with religion. What then is Christianity? Christianity is a relationship. You see, until you come to the reality and understanding that God has a personality and God wants to be wanted. <laughs> Are you getting what I just said? God wants to be wanted. God wants to be wanted. God does not want to be used. God, does, God is not a video game to be played. He wants to be wanted. What do I mean by that? Most of you have been in relationships before, right? Hey, hey, look at me before, right? Why are you acting like, um, right, right? Hey, hey, right? You see, it can be so dramatic sometimes that if the other fellow do not get the needed attention, drama don't start. And this is what I want you to know from today. That God can also be dramatic. Oh, you are surprised. He can. <laughs> now, wherever you are right now, I want you to repeat this with precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for understanding. In saying this, I want you to come to this point. Do I want to talk to you about? Maybe you might want to give it something, yeah, or you might want to give it your own topic. I want to talk to you about my normality. Not my normality. This will become your normality. So you can write my normality. You see, in God's pursuit for you, he is interested in one thing. The first point of contact of God to man is the heart. So he says, it is with the heart one believes. Come on now. So God to contact you, it is from the heart. God's first point of contact to any man is that. You know, truly, truly, truly people. There are so many people in the church of Jesus Christ today, today, today. That they don't really, really, really want God. They just want something small from God. If they get that thing, eh, they are done with God. And you might think, oh, me, you know, me, I love God, da, 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 da. Let you be tested. That is when you will see the genuineness of your love. No, let you be tested. Let you be tested. Right now, right now, let you be tested. 
your heart. Your heart. I want to talk to you about prayer, but I want to start with what prayer involves about. What prayer involves about that if that thing, that posture is not there, you are just making noise, you're not praying. I said that the first point of contact of God to man is the heart. And I want you to understand this and understand this from today. That God is never interested in giving you. God, give me strength. He, he's not interested in that. God, give me power. God, give me. God, give me. God, give me. Mark chapter 1. The book of Mark, chapter number 1, verse 16. NIV translation. If God is not interested in giving you, what is he interested in? Let's look at something Jesus told the disciples over here. Mark chapter 1, verse number 16. And please, today I want you to carry your own Bible. If you don't have your Bible, you are pardoned for today. Let's read, come with your Bible. And Jesus, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nerve and followed him. Can I get a KJV translation? The, verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become in the scripture. I will make you to become. So what is God interested in? He is interested in number one, making you. What is interested in making you? Some of you, oh, the reason why your prayers has never maybe seen a certain manifestation is that all what you have ever wanted God to do is to God to give you. But in the mind of God, what is he interested in? He's interested in making you. So there is true contradictions here. That is the reason why we talk about spiritual growth. Every point of spiritual growth, from the breakfast to the techno, to whatever we have, every point of spiritual growth is a point God is making. Not God is giving. It's a point God is making. There are technicalities that allow God to make men. There are a certain engagement that whenever is being engaged, God makes a man out of you. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? What is God interested in making you? Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 11. Ephesians 4. Verse 11. What is interested in making you? He wants to make a person of love from you. He wants to make a person of a person of love for him from you. God is interested in making out of you. He gave some to be apostles, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting. So God is interested in this, and never forget this. God is interested in perfecting you. Number one, he's interested in making a perfect man out of you. Number two, for the work of ministry, God is wanting to make you into ministry. What is ministry? He's interested. 
that you may be a very um, um, testament for others to look onto. That you will not just say with your mouth you are a Christian. Your life will introduce Christianity onto others. So God is interested in making you for Christianity. He says for edifying the body of Christ. You see, whenever we come here, end this finish here. Whenever we join a Zoom meeting like this, you see, it's not just a meeting. It's an exchange of spiritual people. It's an exchange between spiritual people. So whenever I say, lift up your hands, you lift up your hands, begin to pray, and you pray. As I hear you pray, and you should hear my prayer, what is happening? We are being edified. We are edifying each other. Are you with me? Are you with me? So God is interested in making you. Number one, for perfection. Number two, for the work of the ministry. Whomever God uses is a man God is making and God is working on. Whomever God is using is a man God is making and God is working on. You want to align your steps with the will of God for your life. Can I tell you a little secret? Can I tell you a little secret? Instead of you going to God with what you think you want, go to him and let him make what he thinks out of you. He says, I know the thought I think towards you. You know, sometimes we are so consumed with what we think we want. But then, truly, 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 we are going to step into the perfect work of God for our lives. The very moment we begin to subscribe to God's agenda for our life. How? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Luke chapter 18, verse number one. Luke 18, verse one. Luke 18, verse one. I want the, um, go to the NIV. NIV do not say what you are looking for. NKD. Good. NKJV has what you are looking for. And I want to, or you can unmute yourself and read this one with me. Luke chapter 18, verse number one. Luke chapter 18, verse number one. One, two, let's go. Then he spoke a parable to them. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Say. You can end the screen, sir. Thank you, precious. Jesus is about to talk about prayer. And before he starts talking about prayer, he spoke a parable. <laughs> and that parable carries two, carries two things from the scripture we just read. We saw two things. Jesus spoke a parable to them to introduce them to something. He says that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. Probably you have never thought about this before. But your heart has everything to do with your prayers. Why would Jesus talk about prayer and talk about the heart? 
because your heart has everything to do in prayer. He says men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I thought I thought prayer was about the mouth. Come on, come on. Prayer is our mouth being opening and communicating to God. So what do we do? Jesus should say that men always ought to pray and not keep quiet. Come on. Oh no, let reason with me. Reason with me. Jesus should have probably said men always ought to pray and not shut up. No, no, reason with me. Men always ought to pray and not you know be, keep quiet and be still. No. Jesus said men always ought to pray and not lose what and not lose what hearts. So you can be praying and be losing hearts. Men always ought to pray. So Jesus introducing the subject matter of prayer to us did not go straight to prayer. When he spoke about prayer, he came to the heart. Prayer has everything to do with your heart. Did you hear what I just said? Prayer has everything to do with your heart. Would Jesus say and not lose hearts? Let's start from there. Because it says men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. Why would Jesus say? Let's let's paraphrase that sentence. This is what Jesus said, and we are paraphrasing. Don't lose hearts. Always be praying. Logically, that's what Jesus said, right? Paraphrasing. Don't lose hearts. Always be praying. Jesus said this problem to them, saying that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. So this is what Jesus is wanting to say. Don't lose hearts. Always be praying. But why would Jesus talk about the hearts? Why would Jesus talk about don't lose hearts? Number one, prayer is hard. H A R D. Prayer is hard. So for Jesus to introduce the subject matter of prayer to you, he wants you to understand it is hard. So involve your hearts. You see, we live in a world that is so fallen that you can be easily distracted. You'll be praying, shaka take palak. You'll be making all the prayers, and a certain notification will open your eyes, and you have ascended to the hilltop. All of a sudden, boom! You have to come and begin again. Well, what's the experience? What I'm talking about? You were praying, praying, praying one time, and all of a sudden there was a certain notification, or your mom called you, or someone called you, and you turn your eyes to respond. And after you responded and came back, the prayer became so hard. Oh, who has who has experienced that before? Let me see. What happened is that your heart was distracted. Prayer is hard. Prayer is labor. You see, don't ever think, don't ever think that prayer cannot be taught. Who has said a statement like you learn how to pray by starting to pray? Who has said such a statement before? Well, let me see. You learn how to pray by starting to pray. Who has said that statement before? It's not entirely true. You don't learn how to pray by starting to pray. No. Jesus never prayed with his disciples. No, no. Check your Bible. Oh, check your Bible now. Jesus never prayed with his disciples. Why? Because the disciples did not know how to pray. So they ought to be taught how to pray before he could pray with them. Even with that, Jesus never prayed with them. You might want to tell me, oh, but man of God, you remember when Jesus was about to be crucified the last time the Bible said he prayed with his disciples. Well, look at that scripture. He left the disciples there and went yonder, went 
went, went where they were not and he prayed there. Prayer is taught. You see, when you are being taught how to do something, you are efficient in it. You become effective in whatever you are being taught to do. So the best teacher is the one who understands to teach, not the one who looks to teach. Are you getting it? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? So Jesus said, men always ought to pray and not to lose hearts. What is Jesus trying to say? First of all, I've made you understand that Jesus spoke about the heart because prayer is hard. Number two, Jesus spoke about the heart because he wants prayer to be an ongoing culture in every life. Jesus wanted prayer to be an ongoing culture. He wanted prayer to be, you know, it is culturistic or it is, I don't know if that is a word by the way, but it is cultural like for you to see an African eating rice from Monday to Friday. It is, it is so cultural. And my brothers who are Asian, it is so cultural for you to see them eating noodles, rice, you know, Asian food. It is so cultural for you. So when Jesus speaks about prayer and he said, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Jesus is not talking about every day. No, this is talking about an ongoing culture of prayer. There ought to be a cultivated structure of a prayer life with you. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Go to the same Luke chapter 18. The same Luke chapter number 18. Let's look from verse 2 coming down. Number 2 2. They did this with me, okay? It says, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was this widow in the city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But after what he said with him himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet this widow troubles me and I will avenge her. I want a certain word. Um, which translation is this? Go to the KJV. Let's look at something there. You see, the verse 3 says, There was a widow in this city. She came unto him saying, Avenge me of my adversary and he would not for a while but after he said within himself though i fear not god nor regard man yet because this widow troubleth me and the screen share troubleth me so in prayer there ought to be a certain party troubling god what does it mean to trouble who has a kid here or who has a junior brother how do they trouble you? No, share with me. Daniel, you lifted up your hands. How do your junior brothers trouble you? Um, they keep getting like my attention. They keep asking questions. They keep, you know, you know, like going to me for something. Right. They keep getting his attention. They keep coming to him. Coming to him. They keep coming to him. So Jesus is speaking a parable. And the context of this parable is that Jesus wants man to have a certain prayer life 
without trouble, let go. You see, you ought to cultivate, you ought to generate. There ought to be that system in your life. That's troubled God. That's when God is looking for a man, he will not look anywhere but you. You are troubling him. That's, hey, Lord, I am here. If God is looking for a man, he will not go to your next door neighbor. He will come to you. Why? Because you have been troubling him. How? By going to him every day. Look at the verse 8 of the same chapter we are reading. The verse 8 of that same chapter we are reading. The verse 8 of Luke chapter 18. Now, let's start from verse 6 to put this in context. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust, um, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them, which cry when day and when night and the screen. Which cry day and night. Jesus is introducing you to a system that must be in your life. And you are you must have a system of night and a system of day. What does the system of night mean? You must have a prayer life that nobody sees, that is in the night. And you must have a prayer life that everybody sees, that is in the day. In the night, you sleep alone. For those of you who are single, you sleep alone. Actually, all of you are single. Supposedly, all of you are single. So, Jesus is introducing you to something. And pay attention here. He said, who cry unto him day and night? What does it mean? Who cry unto him? When nobody sees in the night and when everybody sees in the day. Also, never forget a new day does not begin when the sun rises. A new day begins when the moon um, bows down. I repeat, a new day does not begin when the sun rises. A new day begins when the new uh, moon bows down. So Jesus is introducing you to a certain culture you must have. That there ought to be a system in place that allows you to pray at night and at day. You talk about prayer. It's never a noise making. Hey, Jesus introduced the parable. Men always ought to pray. Men always ought to trouble God with their prayer life. Your prayer life must let God look down. You know, whenever we hear and Abraham built an altar, what do you think the altar is? No. <laughs> what do you think the altar is? Abraham littered all of um, 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 the part, that part of the world with altar. He littered there with altar. That Jacob, years after, years after, Jacob came to sleep at where his father, his, his grandfather built an altar. And he said, God has been here, I did not know. There ought to be a system in place. There ought to be a system. There ought to be a system. Man, those That allows you 
In the night, nobody sees. In the day, everybody sees. Now, I want to share with you just a few thoughts on what actually prayer does to you. And never forget this. Listen to this and never forget this. Prayer is God's system. God's way for man to connect with his thoughts and make his thoughts happen on earth. Prayer is God's system for man to connect with the thought of God and make the thought of God happen on earth. Prayer does not move God. Prayer does not change God. Prayer does not get the hand of God. You know, some people think you, you have to God open your hands. God open your hands. No. This is God's system. And when you begin to have a system of prayer, that is a cultural developed prayer, life in your life. Go to Luke 8, um, 8, that same scripture. I want the CEB translation. Verse 15, CEB translation, CEB translation. Verse number 15 of Luke um, chapter number 18. 8, Luke chapter number 8. What does prayer entails? And what does prayer does to us? Luke 8, verse number 15. On the CEB, CEB translation. Luke 8, verse number 15, 1-5. Everybody knows this story, but I want to introduce you to something. The seed that fell on a good, on good soil are those who hear the word and commit themselves to it with a good and upright heart. Through their resolve, they bear fruit in this creation. The first thing that prayer does to a man is that prayer brings to life God's word. Prayer brings to life God's word. You see, so many people know, oh, by his stripes I am healed. By, by the Lord Jesus, through his grace, though he, he was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, I may be rich. So many people, these hey, scriptures, people know. But then people don't see what they know. Why? Because there has not been an engagement with God's personality that allows life to come out of God's word. Who is God's personality? That is the Holy Spirit. So whenever you begin to pray, have the fellowship in prayer, what happens is that God begins to bring his word life to you. You can never be prayerful and be sorrowful. You can never be prayerful and be burdenized. No. You can never have a system of prayer that allows a system in your life that allows prayer and you will be burdened with the issues of this life. Never. So prayer brings to life, prayer brings into your life the reality of God's word. That if God has said that you shall stretch forth your hands from the sick and they shall be healed, you will begin to see in your life 
Why? Because you have engaged the one who said it. So prayer will make you engage. So the scripture we just read, he said, the seed in the heart of those who are good and upright. What God's what prayer does is that prayer prepares your hearts. Prayer prepares your hearts. Remember, prayer is about the heart. Remember where we started from. Prayer prepares your hearts. God used prayer to prepare your heart. So whenever the word of God falls on a prayer, um, uh, on a life that has been prepared by prayer, he says they resolve it and they begin to bear fruits. For you to see the workings of the word of God in your life, you ought to have a system that prays, that allows you to pray. He says the seed, whenever it falls into a good and upright heart, upright heart, you see, every good soil is prepared, ready for seed, right? Those of you who has ever worked on a farm, or those of you, actually everybody must know this, that every good soil is always prepared. They put manure on it. They put proper water on it. It has a proper irrigation system. Why? So that when seeds fall into that ground, it will not only grow, it will also grow to develop um, fruits. So in the mind of God, the system that prepares your soil, ready for his seed, that is his work, is prayer. You ought to have a fellowship of prayer. You, your life must have a system of follow. Remember what I said, that there ought to be a night and a day prayer. In your private life, there ought to be an ongoing life of prayer. So that when we gather here and we are having a 15 days prayers, you'll be able to pray. When you gather here, you'll be able to pray. You, your life will speak volumes for itself. Your life will speak God without you speaking. One time I was speaking to someone and the person told me, whenever I talk to you, the desire to even pray comes, it just comes to me. My siblings are here. I developed a so much prayer life that that altar has not died in that house and it will not die. It's been littered there and it, 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 it would forever remain there. Are you with me? So your life, you are, you are, you are the epitome. You are the, you are the portal that God has to use. So if your family, if God wants to use your family, if God must use you, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Your life must have a prayer life. A person, a Christian without a prayer life. Hello, you're on your way to death. You die. When I talk about death, please don't think you are, you know, you are departing from earth. No. You, you will be, you will be so insensitive to the things of God. A person without a prayer life, that person is insensitive to the things of God. So, so many theologians, they have accumulated so much knowledge of God that they don't see the life of God at work. Why? Because what they have accumulated is knowledge. There is no balance with God's word and prayer. All what they have, some of them has accumulated is um, the sticky of God's word that they are not seeing is vitality. God wants that balance. Are you with me? God wants that balance that allows his word permeate your hearts. The next thing is that prayer allows God to perform on you. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse the number 13, quickly. Because of time. Philippians 2, verse 13. 1 3. Philippians 2, verse 1 3. Makino, 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 Shabrakino. Philippians 2, verse 1 3. It says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose and the scripture. What does God do? He works in you. God works in you. Listen, the first point or the first place God works is not on your life. He works in you. We are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. So the place where God will take his cutlass, his machete, and go and work. You see, when people say you are praying against our enemies, this is what I want. You are your own enemy. So when God, I take the knife and I, I, I slay, I whatever you are trying to do, you are the place God is working on. So when you praying against your enemy, remember you are praying against yourself and God wants to work in you. Are you with me? Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? Prayer allows God to work in you. Can everybody hear me, please? Can you hear me? It says, God works in you, number one, to will. You will never have proper ideas if you do not pray. Because whenever you subject yourself to prayer, there will be a will of God. He works in you to will. There will be a desire will be stirred in you, a right desire. A right desire. Because prayer will allow God to begin to work in you. So as you pray, you have the night prayer. As you keep on doing that, as you keep on doing that, now God takes his scissors and begins to cut. God begins to perform surgery on you. He begins to cut the excesses. You see, he begins to work on you. He begins to work on you. Man, secretary. He begins to now divide you. He begins to open your eyes. He begins to take things away from you. Prayer allows God to work on you. Both to will, number one. Number two, to act, to do. To do whenever there is a prayer life, there is a system of prayer, there is a life of prayer in you, you'll be able to do things with ease. Why? You see, write this down. We pray long prayers to pray short prayers. We pray long to pray short. So Jesus. Is asleep in the boats, and the disciples are calling him, Master. Don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus will wake up and say, Peace be still. That's that was a prayer. Peace be still. Okay, he took the little boy lunch. I hope everybody can hear me. I don't know if my internet is, you know. Jesus took the little boy's lunch, and when he took it, I I personally I thought he should have. Jesus did not do that. He took the lunch, lifted it up, and gave thanks. That was it. He met a man who was leprous. The man asked him, Sir, if you are willing, make me well. Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him, and the man was healed. Why? Because, listen, that should be your life. 
If you have a long prayer at the night, you have a short prayer on the day. So Jesus, whenever he was done with his crusade, he, he dwelt away, he, he pulled away from his disciples and he goes and pray. So in the night alone, he will go and pray. And the disciples will be on the boat and they will go. Jesus, after prayer, began to do the impossible thing. He began to walk on water. When you read the book of John, from chapter 8 to chapter 9, you, see, you will see that before he walked on water, he was praying. Prayer allows the supernatural to be your natural. When there is a prayer life, oh, there is a life of God. Prayer allows the supernatural to be your natural. So as, as you pray, when nobody sees, as you continually do that, is this what you are doing? You are building capacity of the night to rule the day. Yeah. Listen to me. Listen to me. Never go a day without praying, okay? Okay? Never, never go a day without praying. Years ago, when the Lord saved us, the only thing I knew to do was pray. I spent almost every day, every single minute and every single second of my life till today. That was all, I, well, that was all what I knew to do. And I've shared a story with some of you before. When the Lord saved me, it wasn't only me. Many of the brethren were there. Many of the brethren were there. And I'm not saying this that, you know, but I'm saying this that prayer will bring life to your Christianity. Prayer will make you see the essence of Christianity. You don't need to have a prayer point to pray. No. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to tell you to pray before you pray. Prayer is hard. Paul the Apostle said, I beseech you, brethren, that ye present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's hard. So put your body on it. The story I'm telling you today, the many of us that got saved that same moment, that same time, it's not, we were more than probably a 50. Today, I can boldly say only less than five are so active in the faith as I am. What did we know? All what we knew to do was to pray. We wake up in the morning, shabalabalaba. As we are going to school, as we are going to work, that's all what we know. And I'm saying this to tell you this, that prayer will sustain your Christianity. Prayer will sustain your Christian life. You can never be in error for long if you have a prayer life. You can never be in error for long. No. No. No, no. It's impossible. No. Man, And that's what I'm talking to you about. Prayer brings life to your Christianity. Go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. Let me show you something there. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 11, verse 1 to 3. This is speaking about Jesus, right? He says, a shoot will come up from the stem of Jesse. From his root, a branch will bear fruit. 
the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. End the screen share. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will delight. He will delight. What prayer is that? What prayer? One thing prayer does is that prayer makes you fear God. And this is what many people would not know. Prayer will bring onto your heart the fear of God, the reverential fear of God. Prayer will grow your love for God that you fear him. That's the reason why people who have heard that when you pray, when you keep on praying, you'll keep on praying. You will not sin or you stop sinning. Who has heard such a statement before? But well, let me see by hand if you have heard such a statement before. What happens here is that prayer indicts in you. Prayer grows in you. Your fear, your reverential fear for God. That as many people are doing what they think is normal, you don't see it's normal. Why? It's, it's, at first, it was normal to you. But then because you have a structure of prayer in your life, it will not become normal to you. You fear God so much. Whatsoever is born of God does not sin or does not keep on sinning. You might make mistakes here and there, but this is what you should realize. As you keep on praying, as there is a system of prayer in your life, that desire will be cut off. That desire will die. He said the spirit of the spirit of the Lord will rest for him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. You know, you will begin to know what to do. That is wisdom and understanding. You begin to apply. Oh, and I want to challenge each and every one of you here. Once we are having these 15 days of prayer, and once the prayer is ongoing, I want you to start your something on your own. I want you to have 30 slash 30. And that will begin your prayer life. What is 30 slash 30? For the next 30 days, every single day, pray for 30 minutes. 30 in the morning, 30 in the evening. Remember, 19 day. 30 in the morning, 30 in the evening. For the next 30 days, who is up for that challenge? Oh, come on, let me see your hand. Who is up for that challenge? For the next 30 days. You see, let me... Let me jump some of them because of time factor. Let me jump some of them. Let me get to this bottom. How do I create a prayer culture? How do I get myself to start praying? Go to Malachi chapter 2 verse 2. NLT translation. Malachi 2 verse 2. Malachi 2 verse number 2. How do I create? If you want to create a prayer culture, I want you to write this down. And listen. As the word comes forth, Malachi 2 verse 2 in Nelson. Listen to me and make your minds to honor my name. And this mission. How do I create a proper prayer culture in my life? That will allow me to have a prayer life. Number one, he said, listen to me and make your mind. So number one, let there be a system that allows you to hear God's word. Number two, make your mind. Listen, if you don't make up your mind, you will never pray. Some of you wake up in the morning 
and you plan your day. Okay, I will go to school. I'll go for lectures. After lectures, I'll catch up with this. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. But one thing you don't do, one thing you don't add to whatever you are planning is that you don't add what time you pray. So as you listen to me, that is listen to the word, you have a system that allows you, that puts you daily on God's word. Number two, make up your mind. You see, he did not say, listen to me and go and pray. Did you see that? He says, listen to me. Number two, make up your mind. You, you must make that decision. Prayer starts with making a decision. You have to make up a decision. That's 11 p.m. of my life every day I'll be praying. 11 a.m. of my life every day I'll be praying. Make that decision. You ought to make that decision. So as there is a culture that allows you to listen to God, there must be another culture that allows you to make up your mind to pray. Are you with me? Are you with me? So how do you create a prayer culture? Number one, let there be a system that allows you, that puts you on God's word. Number two, make up your mind. And right now, I want to give each and everyone the chance. I hope you are writing notes. In your notebook, write the time that you're going to pray every day. In your notebook, write the time. Write this right now, every day. And don't, don't write it just because I am telling you to write it. Write it because when you look at your day, this is the time that you, you think you'll be able to pray. He says, listen to me and make a decision. This, 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 this is something people have not noticed and this is something I want to tell you today. When you go to the stadium and people are watching football and they are cheering their team up, Regardless how much you do not like football, you will be stirred up to also cheer someone up. No, no. Oh, who is aware of this? Who here you do not like soccer? You don't like soccer at all. You don't like soccer at all. Good. The fact that you don't like soccer does not know you do not know Messi and Ronaldo. What do I want to say? This is what I want to tell you. When you associate yourself with the people doing what you want to do, you'll find yourself doing it. Some of you, you ought to let go of certain friendship. You ought to let go of certain people. You see, the devil is so not wise that in order for him to take out your prayer life, you first bring people to take you out. So you think, oh, let me talk to this person for, let's say, just 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, I'll go and pray. <laughs> you know what happened. You know. The 30 minutes turned to an hour. <laughs> the one hour turned to two hours. The next thing you realize, you slept without praying. You know. You know what I'm talking about. I can see you smiling. You know. You know. You know. Akadaba shatadaba sakoma. Associate yourself with the right kind. Oh. oh, that is the reason why a Christian should not date an unbeliever. That's the main reason why. Not only for the for the for the for the growth of your life, it is it is also for you. The right people. 
the right people. Oh, man, this So many great men never attain greatness because of the wrong people that they associated themselves with. So many great women never attain the greatness because of a certain person that came their way. Oh, lift up your hands. Repeat this after me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Take me away from whatever is taking me away from you. Father, in the name of Jesus, take me away from whatever, whoever is taking me away from you. Take me away from them. Pray, pray, pray. Seek it today. In the name of Jesus. And this is what I want to say. Number two, set an alarm on your phone. Man of God, there's phone in the Bible. Phone is not in the Bible, but phone is in our world. Most of you do not have a prayer life because of your phones. Come on now. Come on, come on now. Come on, come on, you know. Most of you, so many people do not have a prayer life because of your phone. Hey, you, for some reason, it's not like you don't want to put it down, but you can't put it down. But you want to put it down, but it's in your hands that you can't put it down, right? Right, you know what I'm talking about. It's not as you want to put it down because you have already started praying. So you are doing shabalabalaba. And you are saying to yourself, Oh, I'm putting it down. But you don't know for some reason, you know, you keep scrolling and you can't put it down. And you want to shabba. But you see, you see, that's an alarm on your phone. That immediately that alarm goes off. You turn off your data. And that's how my life has been. Whenever my alarm goes, sometimes the alarm doesn't even have to go off. My data is already off. My Wi-Fi is already off. Not even my mom will call me at that time for me to answer. You ought to develop. Listen, put the phone down. Just associate yourself. And that's the last place I'm, I want to talk to you about. Separate yourself. Go to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Chapter 37, verse 14. Look at something there. The king Hezekiah did something. I want you to see. Isaiah 37, verse 14. He says, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the lost temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed in the screen share. When he received the letter, he did not stand in the mess. What did he do? He separated himself. Disassociate yourself from your phone, from your friends, from your siblings. And pray. You have been disassociated, disassociated from everything that will be a distraction to your heart. Then you go and put your body as a living sacrifice in prayer. You separate yourself. Eh? And this will bring me to the last thing I want to show you today. Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. Mark 1, verse 35. The book of Mark, chapter 1, verse number 35.
before they break and the sound come back a little bit good thank you before they break the next morning jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray in the screen share the last one to talk to you about is that get a place we see we see two things combined here we see an isolated place that is a separated place i've talked to you about separate yourself disassociate yourself the last thing get a place some of you you yourself you know you can't pray in your bedroom because you end up sleeping some of you have to go to the living room sit at the living room because you know you can't sleep at the living room sit there and pray there shabalakoto breketi barak so as all your siblings and your moms have gone to their rooms that's where you go to the living room you leave your phone upstairs and go downstairs and go and pray you go with your laptop you go with your ipad you go with your whatever you can use to play music and you begin to pray get a place of prayer does it mean you cannot pray anywhere you can pray anywhere listen me i pray in my bedroom i pray here. this is the place i pray this is where I pray. This is where I pray. Last night, this was where I was praying. Last two nights, this was where I pray. I was praying. Last three nights, this was where I was praying. This is where I pray. Sometimes on my bed, as a matter of fact. But don't don't try it if you have no grown to that. Otherwise, you find yourself sleeping. Don't try that one. <laughs> but get a place for prayer. Get a place. Get a place. That when it is time for prayer, when your phone sounds the alarm, you turn off your Wi-Fi, you turn off your data, you go to that place. Let your life be on that scheme. Let your life be on that revelation. Many of you, you are going to stop having prayer points. You are going to stop praying about certain things if you are going to have this prayer life. So many of you, you know what to do. You don't have a job. The Lord will inspire you with the business to do. Oh, your life will begin to align with God's system, God's thought for your life. I love to teach on prayer. This is the very first time I've taught on prayer for such a long stretch like this. But it is for you to know that without a prayer life, your Christian life is dead. Your work with God is as good as dead. And this is what I didn't talk about. Corporate prayers. As you let go of certain people in your life, you have to let another set of people come to your life. That these are the people who praise. And I'm going to be talking to them. Listen, you can never talk to me continuously or you can never be keep listening to me continuously, continuously, continuously and not develop a habit of prayer. It is an impossibility. And I'm not saying this. No, I have testaments here. I will not even talk. Let, let me talk about malice. If I talk about my siblings, you will be... Let me talk about malice. Look at Marisa. No, you are going to... There, 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 there will be a desire to pray. There will be a desire. You, you, you cannot die like that. Though. Are you with me? Environments. That's the last thing I want to talk to you about. Environment. Create an environment. You have to. Listen. You have to. Create an environment conducive for prayer. Some of you. 
the right environment is you have to let go of the songs you listen to. <laughs> the kind of movies you are watching. You, you might think this is small, but this has everything to do with prayer. If the environment is wrong, the seed will fall on the wrong soil and it cannot develop, it cannot grow. So you have worship songs. Me, even if I'm not listening to the song, the song will be playing on my back. So far as there is a song going on in my background, hey, I'm, I'm in a good position because it is always conducive. You are jarring. I'm not listening, but I mean, let, let there be, you know, some, you are jarring. Yeah, you know, you know, let there be that. I'll be content, you know, and every circumstance you are, you know, let there be that environment. Create that environment conducive for it. Create that environment. If you do not create that environment, oh, your so many of you sickness will begin to leave your body fear will begin to go away anxiety will begin to relieve depression will cease the greatest antidote and listen to this today the great antidote to depression fear and anxiety is prayer <laughs> for God has not given us a spirit of fear you see the spirit of love, sound mind, and of power. What produces love, sound mind, and power is prayer. <laughs> no, no, it's prayer. You see, when you have a prayer life, you will hardly be offended by what people do to you. Hardly. Hardly. Like, hardly. That's why, you see, when Jesus said, when someone slaps your hair, give here to him and let the person slap. No, when you have a prayer life, you don't care what people do to you. And it is true, it is genuine. The love of God is shared abroad. Where? 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 In your heart. This guy, he has beaten out. I will show him my true colors. You have a true colors. You don't pray. You don't pray. You don't pray. That's why you have true colors. You don't pray. If you have true, uh, if you pray, prayer should be your true colors. Sick Shake it till God will begin to inspire you. He will inspire you. God is at work in you both to do and to wear. You are a Christian for a reason. You ought to have an active, ongoing prayer life. And today I spoke to you about my normality. That should be your normality today. An ongoing structure that allows you to pray. Lift up your hands and begin to speak.